right, amen. Guys, it is good to be with you this week. Uh, I missed you. Uh, I missed preaching uh, last week. I was here, um, but I'm super thankful uh, for our brother that filled in for me. And uh, we were at youth camp the week before. Uh, this week, I've been on um, vacation. I did take two days off. I took two days off. I worked half a day Monday, half a day Thursday, last night. I got a funeral um, tomorrow night. And then I'm really on vacation, y'all. Then I'm, I'm not thinking about... I'm still going to think about you. I love you. Um, and, uh, but here's, here's where we are, guys. We are um, spending the summer talking about greatness in the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to be great? We want to be great. We want to be a great church. We don't want to just be an okay church. We don't want to be just a good church. We want to be a great church. Uh, but a church is made up of people. That means that the people of God have to understand what greatness in the kingdom is all about. And Jesus' definition of greatness is radically different from how we might define it. That's kind of what we've been figuring out uh, this summer. And so we've looked at a lot of things in this series. Uh, but two weeks ago, we started with the greatest commands. And, and so the greatest command, uh, which we'll read here, here in a second, uh, but Jesus said it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and that word all means whole, and I kind of told you guys how that's different for me. I say all, and I can still, I, I, I can say, hey, I left you all the cake, but yet I took my piece out, right? And I'm like, that's all the cake, but when I say the whole cake, that's different for me, and, and, and so we talked about loving God with our whole heart, and the heart being the center of, of everything that we do, right? And kind of got into those definitions, so I want to say this, if you missed our message two weeks ago, I want to challenge you to go onto our website, fbcelgin.org, or onto our Facebook page, or onto our YouTube channel, uh, which is uh, YouTube forward slash Live or FBC Live. I think it's just FBC Live. Uh, go to one of those places. Check out that message. It's worth your time. Uh, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to pick back up in the book of Matthew, um, and I'm in Matthew chapter 22, if you're going to follow along this morning. Matthew 22, starting in verse 34, we're going to look at the second greatest commandment. So uh, grab a Bible if you have one. Second thing I'm going to ask you to do is uh, take notes. So uh, guys, worship is a participatory sport, okay? So if you show up, we're very glad that you're here, all right? But if you showed up and you didn't sing, and you didn't pray, and you didn't give, and you didn't, you didn't actually take notes, uh, I, I, you came to something. Okay, you came to something, but you may not have worshipped, okay? Because worship is about participation. So when we sing, we sing. When we pray, we pray. When we give, we give. Uh, and when we study God's Word, we actually study. This is the one time in life, uh, y'all, when, when we're talking about God's Word, um, we, we take notes all the time. I don't know about you guys. Like, anybody have a bill collector call this week? Am I the only one in the house had a bill collector? I, I'm the only person that has people that go to collections. God bless y'all. Y'all are great. Um, I'm looking at our church giving. I'm saying that's not the case right now, but I love you. Um, but, right, it happens. It happens. I had somebody call, and they're like, well, we're calling about such and such. Uh, my daughter had surgery, like, back in October, and they didn't file the secondary insurance. And so, like, I'm on the phone, and what do you have to do on the phone? You have to take notes, right? Okay, I'm sorry. What date are you talking about? What, what bill? What serve? So you're taking notes, right? We take notes everywhere else in life. We come to church, and we're like, <laughs> this is the important stuff. This is the stuff that matters. So I want to encourage you guys, get ready to take notes. I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word. And then we are going to jump in. Um, Lord Jesus, um, we are so grateful for the opportunity to be taught from the inside out. And that's what you do. Holy Spirit, we recognize you're the teacher of our church. We ask you to come and take your place here in our lives. Uh, teach us the truth about Jesus from the inside out. Uh, King Jesus, as, as we seek to understand the second greatest command, um, we pray that it would be transformational in our understanding of greatness in the kingdom. And we love you. We ask that this in your holy, powerful, and precious name. Uh, amen, amen, amen. So, 
<clears throat> you should either have one of these bad boys out taking notes or you're on your phone. I know if you're on your phone, you are not playing words with friends because that's not cool anymore. Um, you can't play Wordle either. It's church, y'all. So, uh, so here we go. Um, I am in Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. We're going to read through 40. And here's what the Word of God says. It says, When the Pharisees heard that he, that's Jesus, silenced the Sadducees, they came together and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest command, uh, which, which of the commands in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. But then Jesus added this. It, it, it wasn't asked for. He added it. That means it's important for us. He says in verse 39 and 40, The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this. He says, All of the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. All of the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So, uh, this morning, I just want to talk to you about that second greatest commandment. There's only one point, and then, and then I just want to explain what that point means. And so here's the big idea this morning on the screen. Uh, you've got that in your notes. That the second greatest thing that we can do in life, we talk about being great. So that, that the greatest thing we can do in life is be firm in our commitment to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole soul. We talked about that last week. But the second greatest thing in life that we can do uh, is love others the way that Jesus has loved us. Okay? You, you know, like, what, 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 what should I focus on? Here it is, right? Loving God, that's number one. Second, second thing you should focus on in life, the second greatest thing in life you can do is love others the way that Jesus has loved us. And, and, and that word there, love, uh, in verse 39, it's, it's the same as, as what we, we saw before. It's that, that word we talked about two weeks ago. It's that agapaos. Uh, it is, it, it's the same kind of love. It, it's, it's not an emotional love. Y'all, the world loves, and what the Bible, uh, Greek language, it would be phileo love. It, it's a passionate love. It's a, hey, hey, I'm, oh, I'm, I love my sports team. Woo, they're awesome. And then they stink, and you're like, ah, you know, I'm a little cold on them. Um, it, it's the way that we love other people, right? Um, like, they're being nice, just, oh, I love them. I love hanging out with them. And then they're being mean, just like, ah, not so much. I need a little distance, right? Um, our love is, is like the way that Peter loved Jesus. It's a roller coaster. Some days, like, we're killing it. We're like, oh, Jesus! Like, you do, some of you did that during worship. We're like, Jesus! And then, and then like, you're going to leave later, and something didn't happen that you prayed about, right? You tried to rub the magic genie lamp in prayer this week. Jesus, I need you to give me that new car. And it didn't happen, and you didn't qualify for the loan. You're going to be like, Jesus, right? And it's going to happen, and our love is, is kind of that way. But this love, the one that this is talking about, it's a, it's a different word. It, it's, a, it, it's a committed type of love. And when you're thinking about it in relation to other people, I think the best way to think about it, uh, other than commitment, is just the word mission. It's the word mission. So, so this is our mission in life. It, it, it means that we make it the thing that we're about. That from the moment that I wake up to the moment that I sleep, from the, from the first time that I come into the kingdom to the moment I, I, I breathe my last breath here on earth and I enter the presence of Jesus, uh, all of that time in between, I am on mission, and that mission is about people, right? It's about people, and it's about loving people the way that Jesus loved us. So, so that love, it, it's, it's a missional kind of, of love. It's, it's a committed, it's, it's not based on how I feel, because Jesus teaches us this. He, he's like, hey, this love, uh, guess what? You're supposed to do that for your enemies. Hello? What? I have to love my enemies? I live in a world where I can just cut everybody out that doesn't agree with me. 
right? Unfriend, unfriend, unfollow. Like, that's, that's where we live. He's like, no, no, you got to love those people. You got to love the people that are mean to you. You got to love the people that don't agree with you. You got to love the people that vote differently from you, that live different. You have to love. It's this missional, committed, this is who I am, this is what I'm about. And so that's what we're, we're talking about. The second thing he says is he's got to love that way. And, and who? He says, your neighbor. Your neighbor. And some of us wanting to justify ourselves, that's a different passage, by the way, might say, and exactly who is my neighbor? Uh, but Jesus, uh, when, you, when you study the whole, the New Testament, the word in Greek can literally mean neighbor, it can mean friend. But Jesus literally uses it to mean anyone, anywhere, at any time. Who do I need to love? Anyone, anywhere, at any time. And specifically, he tends to use it to talk about people that we think less of. <laughs> He's like... Yeah, love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? And he's like talking about the Samaritan with the Jews. And they're like, oh, come on, right? And so that's, that's what we're called to do. So first thing we can do is, is to love others uh, the way uh, that God has loved us. And so that's the second command. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two things. So I have a question then. Uh, and my question is this. How has Jesus loved us that is applicable to others? Right? Because I, I don't know about you, I think about the love of Jesus. How much does Jesus love me? Jesus loves me so much that he died on a cross for my sins so that I might be forgiven and ushered into the kingdom of God. I can't do that for anybody else. You guys follow me? So then, then how, how, how do I love like Jesus? Jesus loved me. He gave himself up for me. He died on a cross for my sins. I can't do that. So what are some ways that Jesus has loved me that are applicable to others that are transferable? I like the word communicable, like a disease, but a good one. Okay? What is the love of Jesus that I can share with other people and it'll be contagious? What, what is that kind of love? And so I've got four ways that he has loved us that I'm going to share with you this morning that I think we are called uh, then to go out and love others this way. I think that's what this passage is really all about. And I'm going to tell you, uh, it is really important that we do all of them, not just some of them. And we'll hit that when we get to the last section of our sermon this morning uh, application. So here's, here's four ways that Jesus has loved us or that he loves us. Number one, uh, he seeks us out, Right? Jesus seeks us out. And when you study the Gospels, you, cannot, you, you can't miss the fact that Jesus is always looking for an opportunity uh, to have an interaction with somebody. And it, it's always on purpose. So I, I, love, I love the woman at the well. That story, the woman at the well, in John chapter 4, uh, that wasn't an accident that Jesus just ended up at the well in the middle of the day in Samaria. Uh, because remember, uh, like James and John are, are like, hey, can we just rain down fire from heaven on these people? Why are we going here? And Jesus says in John 4, we must go through Samaria. He had an appointment, y'all. He had an appointment. And so he's at the well in the middle of the day. Nobody else is there. And here's this woman uh, that everybody knows her story. And she's come trying to uh, get water in the middle of the day, the hottest time. She's then going to have to carry it all the way back. And she's doing it because she wants to avoid people. And yet here's Jesus, and he wants to have a conversation with her, right? He's, he's seeking her out. Uh, in Vacation Bible School and at youth camp, we talked about the story of Zacchaeus, Right? The story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed way up a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I learned that when I was like 25, by the way. Was not raised in church. Have no clue. I was like, what? I don't know the hand motion. Some of you are like, that God bless you. That's awesome. All right? That's awesome. Like, I, I, 
I, I learned the story of Zacchaeus as an adult. And, and we, we have a tendency when we study the life of Zacchaeus to focus on Zacchaeus seeking out Jesus. That's the song. He was a wee little man, so he climbed way up a sycamore tree for Jesus, the Lord he wanted to see. Like, it's all about him seeking. But if you study the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19, it is not about Zacchaeus seeking. Now, don't get me wrong, he does. He, he longs for the Lord. That's Jeremiah 29, 13, by the way. When you, when you, uh, when you search for the Lord with all of your heart, right, then you're going to find him. So, so he, he does meet Jesus. But, but Luke 19 is not about Zacchaeus searching. It's about the fact that Jesus is searching for Zacchaeus. He's walking in the midst of the crowd. He looks up and says, hey, Zacchaeus, there you are. Come down. I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to eat with you. You don't believe me that, that the real searcher in Luke 19 is Jesus. Look at how Jesus explains what's going on in Luke 19.10. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Right? That's, that's what he has come to do. That is his purpose. And, and that's what Jesus has done for each of us. He has sought us out. And we have to do the same. Right? We have to do the same. Listen, Jesus sought out sinful people so much that the religious people said he was a friend of sinners. Right? I mean, that, 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 like, like, and, and he says to them, he's like, hey, by the way, in our church, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Um, our church, and many of you, you're new. You're like, I don't know. How do things work? Why do we do things? The, like, we have designed the building to operate in such a way. Uh, all of our ministries design. Like, some of you are like, where's my classroom? You don't have one. What? You don't. Our kids get classrooms. We've got, we've got some multi-purpose space. Like everything's about the mission. And, and what I tell people that are in church a lot is like, listen, like I don't know that you need another classroom, another opportunity. We want you to be on mission with us. Hey, go out and let's help us make disciples. Get in your living room. Invite your neighbors. Circle around the world. We'll, we'll, we'll equip you to do that. But we're here to make disciples. This isn't, so so here, here's what I want to say to you in this seeking out is, is there's a balance in this. Some, some people think all they have to do is go hang out with sinners and that they've checked the box. The problem is when they hang out with people, uh, they never tell them about the Lord. That's not being on mission. That's just living your old lifestyle around other people and then you show up here and you're a different person. Right? That's, that, that's not what it's about. Uh, by the way, if that's your approach, um, you're probably going to fall at some point back into the way that you used to live. That's kind of how that works. Jesus sought people out what we talked about this at camp. We were talking about, uh, the Bible talks about being equally yoked. And, and that refers to marriage, but also to our close, influential relationships. Uh, Jesus did hang out and eat with sinners, but he always did it to usher them into the kingdom. He primarily hung out with 12 dudes, right? And, and of that, really three most of the time. And, and, and so when we think about those people that we give influence in our lives, when we, we need to be people that are seeking others out, but we better do it on mission, Okay? We better do it on mission. So that's the first thing like Jesus has done for us. We've got to do with others. Jesus seeks us out. We need to do the same. The second way that Jesus loves us is that he's a refuge. Right? He's a refuge. Um, he's a safe place. Right? Jesus is a refuge. He's a safe place. Uh, he says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, y'all, there are some seriously heavy laden people in our world today. They are overwhelmed by life. They are overwhelmed by fear. They are overwhelmed by anxiety. They are overwhelmed by hurt. They are carrying around massive burdens. And we have to be a safe place for them. And if those people make you uncomfortable, I'm so sorry. Welcome to church. Right? 
Seriously, like, like if, if you are looking for people that have it all together, um, I, 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 you might have to keep looking. I, I, it's not going to be this place. Uh, the pastor of this place doesn't even have it all together. So I, I don't know what to say for the people. Um, we are a, a, a place for broken people. Now, we're a place that broken people come to get healing. There's got to be some transformation going. We don't just all show up. It's not a sin club, Right? But it is a place for sinners. It's a place where we get healthy. It's a place that we're changed. It, 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 like that's, that's what it's about. So, so we have to be people. We have to be a safe place for sinners. And that's going to look different. And it's going to feel different than what you think church is supposed to be. It's going to challenge what you think is supposed to go on here. Now, I, I do want to say this, though. Because this, this is biblical, right? We're called to bear one another's burden. This is what I'm talking about. Jesus is a, a, a harbor. He's a safe place. He's a refuge. So we have to be that for others, but we also have to make sure that in doing that, we're always pointing them to the true refuge, right? Which is who? It's Jesus. I love you. Some of you love people so much that you want to fix all of their problems. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? You love people so much. You're, so invest- you're such a people person that you want to fix all their problems. And so um, you go through life, you are overwhelmed by everyone else's problems. You're always trying to be that refuge. And the only problem is that is what's happening is you've created a codependency in all of your relationships that people run to you with all their problems and you haven't taught them how to run to him. And what happens then is you become their savior and I hate to tell you, you can't do that. That doesn't work. People may find refuge in you, but they'll still be lost and dying and headed for hell without the love of Christ to forgive their sins. And so we've got to figure this stuff out. There's some tension in these things. So, all right, so we we start, like, listen, we want to love like Jesus, okay? We want to love like Jesus, and so he seeks us out. Um, He's a refuge. At number three, he offers grace. Man, Jesus offers grace. We need to be some grace-offering people, Amen. Anybody could use a little extra grace from those in their lives? Anybody? Uh, that, this is my banner. I just need to wear a shirt. Please give me grace today. I, I, I'm losing. We, I went out to eat with Hope uh, yesterday. We had a little sneak away date. Um, and, and so we're out to eat. And like we talked about what we're going to order, everything. And then the waitress comes up to place the order. And I just looked at my wife dumbfounded like, uh. And so she just ordered for me. She's like, oh, he wants this and this and this. I don't know what, like, I just needed a moment, right? I just needed, she gave me some extra grace in that moment. Say, I got you, babe. Like, it's cool. You got a lot of stuff on your mind. Um, We need to be people of extra grace. Do you remember the story? There's a story, a parable that Jesus tells. It's called the parable of the unforgiving servant. Uh, And and, and the parable goes like this. There was a servant who owed, owed the king a mountain of debt. He owed the king a mountain of debt. I mean, so much debt. Uh, So much so that when he came before the king, and the king's like, dude, I'm throwing you in jail. Not only that, I'm going to seize your wife and your children. I'm going to sell them into slavery so I can get some of my money back. And then you're going to spend the rest of your life um, paying this off. And the guy is like, I mean, he seems to be broken. Uh, He pleads, oh, oh, please, king, don't you please have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And the king is so moved that he does, he has mercy. He forgives all of his debt. Crazy. Forgives all of his debt, right? And then on his way out from that, he sees a guy, now this guy owed a mountain, he sees a guy that owed a molehill of debt, he owed him a few bucks, and he chokes the guy, he grabs him by the neck, you better pay me, I don't know if that's misplaced anger at himself, 
right? You've never been there, have you? When you've really disappointed God and you blame somebody else. Uh, and so he grabs it. You, you better blame me right now. Has that guy thrown in prison uh, till he can pay off the debt, which by the way, it's pretty hard to pay off debt if you're in prison. Just want to say that to you guys if somebody owes you money. Um, and it's a little difficult. Uh, and I think the state pays like two bucks an hour. So um, hard, hard to do. And, and, and listen, all that goes down. The king, the other servants see the way he's treated his fellow servant. They go tell the king. The king hears and he is furious. And, and here's, here's what the text says. Uh, it says, then after he had summoned him, so the king summons this guy that he'd forgiven his debt, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you also, uh, because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And the point of that, guys, of that parable is that we're supposed to treat other people the way that God's treated us. Now, now the word used in this parable is mercy. Uh, there's a difference between mercy and grace, by the way. I just want to kind of bear that out this morning. Mercy is, is not getting something that you deserve, okay? So this guy deserved prison. He deserved the penalty uh, for his debt. He, he deserved that. And, and so the king gave him mercy. He wiped it clean. I want to explain this in theological terms because Jesus doesn't just give us mercy. He gives us grace, which is above and beyond mercy. So mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting something that I don't deserve. Okay? So this, this guy deserved prison. He's like, no, no, I'm merciful. I'm going to wipe, I'm going to wipe clean your debt. Here's the problem. Uh, how many of you, I, I'm like, listen, just so we know we're all on the same boat. How many of you have ever in your life one time ever gotten into a wee little bit of credit card trouble? You don't have a credit card, you're 10. All right, that's my daughter. Okay. All right, so we've, we've been there, we've done that, right? And uh, anybody turn to Dave Ramsey to pay it off? Come on. Dave Ramsey, yes, Financial Peace University. Uh, you took Financial Peace, uh, you did the cash budget, you had the envelope system. Like, which envelope are we taking this out of? Guess we're not eating. Like, figuring it out, working through cash stuff. You pay it all off, uh, and so you get out of debt. And then, at some point in life, you think, hey, we've got this all figured out. Let's just get a credit card, and we'll earn the 2% cash back and be fine. We'll spend it on vacations. Three months later, you're like, oh my gosh, how did we get back into credit card debt, right? So, so here's the thing, theologically speaking, if all Jesus did was forgive you of your debts, and it was just a one-time transaction, you would go out and sin again. You guys following me? You'd go out like the next, like this dude, like he's on his way leaving the king and he's choking somebody. That's us, Okay? So that wouldn't be enough for us to have a relationship with God. So the Bible says that Jesus offers us grace. It actually says he gives us grace upon grace. And so not only does he forgive us of our debts, but then he attributes to us, he gives us a positive in our account that we can never outspend, and it's his righteousness. So forever, in heaven's books, we're declared righteous before God, can never be changed because Jesus is perfect and he gave us his perfection pretty cool transaction, amen? And so, if we're called to give other people mercy because God's been merciful, then what does grace look like for other people because God's been gracious? See, that's the thing you need to wrestle with a little bit. We don't have that parable. That's real life. Jesus gave you his righteousness so that even when you sin in the future, your relationship with God can never be broken again. Your fellowship 
can be broken because of your sin. And, and when that happens, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us of our sin, purify us of all unrighteousness. But your, your, your declaration as a child of God can never be taken away from you. That is grace. So how do we offer grace to other people? That's what we have to wrestle with, right? So, all right, Jesus seeks us out. Jesus is a refuge. Jesus offers grace. Lastly, guys, I would share with you that Jesus speaks truth right? That Jesus speaks truth. So I want to go back to the woman at the well. Maybe you remember the story, uh, but Jesus is, this is a Samaritan woman, and, and this is one of the first people that he offers eternal life to. He's like, if you'd asked me, I'd given you living water. She's like, give me that living water. And he says, hey, why don't you run and tell your husband about me? And she goes, I don't have a husband. And he says, this is G- now this is a tender moment. He's actually going to extend eternal life to this woman. Okay, So this is a tender moment. But in the tenderness, don't think that he ignores the sin. He says, I tell you what, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And the guy you're sleeping with right, right now is not even your husband. Hello? Some of you are like, well, that's offensive. No, it's, it's loving. I mean, he was saying, hey, I'm, I'm the Savior. Right? I'm standing before you, and you need saving. You're a sinner. You're like, you need saving. And, and, and listen, it's, this is hard for us that we still have to be able to speak the truth. There's a woman caught in adultery. Maybe you remember that story. All the people are ready to stone her. Jesus bends down in the dirt and he begins to write something. I don't know what he's writing. Maybe he's listing all the men that have committed adultery <laughs> that are carrying the rocks. I don't know. But at some point, he says, he who is without sin, go ahead and throw that first rock. And the text says that starting with the oldest person, because there is something about wisdom when you get older. Listen, I'm fighting a 19-year-old right now. I'm like, one day you're going to get it. Okay? The older you get, the more you realize, my parents were pretty accurate. Uh, and so with the oldest people, they drop their rock and they walk away. And then Jesus says, like, look up. Who's here? And she says, no one here to condemn me, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. But then he speaks these words. Now this is a tender moment. It's a tender moment. She's ripped from this adulterous situation. By the way, the guy's not on trial, just her. What's up with that, right? I mean, there takes two to tango. There's not like a naked dude here. It's just her, wrapped up in a bed sheet probably, right? In the middle of it all, embarrassing, laid bare. It's a tender situation, and he could have just left it. Well, neither do I condemn you. But he doesn't, because she needs a Savior. So he says to her, now go and sin no more. This thought today that Jesus loves us and He's just love. Oh, Jesus is just love and you just need to do the most loving thing. And love is love is love. Uh, Jesus is so loving that He took your sin upon Him and He died for you. He is also so loving that He will remind you that you need Him. Right? I mean, this same Jesus says, I'm the gate. Me. I'm the door, me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And get this, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And some of you say, man, that is so exclusive. That is so exclusive. How could Jesus, well, one, he's Jesus, he's God. Nobody else is God, so he gets to say it. All right? But at camp, one of the things we talked about is like, imagine this place was on fire for a second, and all the doors were locked. That'd be horrible, by the way. Let's pray that never happened. We do have sprinklers, so I think we're, we're solid. But if it happened... And, and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. If every door was locked except one, I go, hey, there's a door. 
Guess what? Would you all be angry? I can't believe there's only a door. How da- I'm going to stay here in this fire and protest. I've been in a fire. It ain't fun. Okay? My son laughing. I did. I lit myself on fire. It's great. It was not great. It's not great. Middle of COVID. I was also my own nurse. Not awesome. Um, if the building was on fire and I said, that door's unlocked, you would be so grateful for that door. You would be so thankful for the, the fact that there is a way out. And yet we live in a world where Jesus has come and done the unthinkable for us. He has taken what, what like listen, he never sinned. Not once. Think about every horrible thing. Like, I don't even like to think about myself. You're probably the same way. But if you were to lay bare, if I asked you to write down every horrible thing you'd done, that is a document you would never share with another soul. Amen? And he took all of it upon himself, who was sinless. He said, I got all of it. There's the way to the Father. Just, you just got to come through me. I'll give you access. I'm his child. You'll become his child too. But I'm the only way. Man, that is one of the most loving things you can do is to tell people that there is a way. There's a way. That's love. That's not being exclusive. Right? You guys see what I'm saying? It's a big deal. So, so, so what do we do um, with all this? And I'm, I'm going to give you, there's only one application point. It's, it's real straightforward. But I'm going to tell you that you've got to do it right or you t- like, totally mess it up. So here it is. One application point, you need to love like Jesus. Uh, but here's the thing. Y'all, I gave you four things. And so to love like Jesus, you really got to do all four of these uh, like at the same time. Okay, because we tend to focus on one or two of these and we provide this incomplete picture of Jesus and, and it's off-putting to the world and it doesn't lead to salvation, quite frankly. And so I, I want to tell you, if, if we only do one or two of these, here, here's the danger. So let's just say that we only seek out people. Man, I'm going to seek out people. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to be a friend to sinners. Man, I'm going to be in the bar, and I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be there. So all your time, and, and, and like, wait, that, that's, you're probably like, hey, that's better than most Christians that live in their holy huddles, and they don't even know a lost person. Uh, the only problem is you're not on mission. You're just with people that need Jesus, but you're not actually telling them about Jesus. Right? You are of no help. In fact, they see you as a Christian that does all the stuff they do, and they're like, I'm fine, I'm good. I must, like, if that person's going to heaven, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably even better than them. Right? They think I'm good. Right? Not good. Not good. And so listen, if, one, if you're a believer that's not seeking people out, that is sin. Because Jesus told you to go and make disciples. If you don't know any lost people, you are in sin right now. You need to repent before the Lord, and you need to go build some relationships with your neighbors, period. All right? But if all you do is spend time with people that don't know the Lord, and you're not actually sharing Christ with them, stop fooling yourself that somehow you're carrying out the Great Commission. You're just living like you used to, and you're doing it under the umbrella of spirituality. Okay? Does that make sense? It's not cool, all right? So some will, will not just seek out people. They'll say, well, I'm, I'm going to focus on a refuge. I'm just going to be a safe place for people. Again, if you're a safe place for people, and listen, we, we're called to bear one another's burdens, but if you never, you're so safe that you can't ever point out they're wrong, then you're not safe. Because if they don't understand that they are, are, are in sin, they will never turn to Jesus as Savior. You following me? You become their savior, and when you stand before God, you don't get to go, oh yeah, I saved them, they're in, they're good. He's going to go, no, doesn't work that way. 
You were a shoulder to cry on, and you had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to point them to the real burden bearer, which is me, and you never did. Oh, I don't want to be that person, right? I don't want to be that person. Some of you are at that point in a relationship that you have become the burden bearer of that person. You have become, you didn't even know it, but now I'm saying it, I'm vocalizing it. You're like, oh, I think they think I'm their savior. You can't be. Only Jesus can save, okay? Uh, three, <laughs> grace. <laughs> You're just that grace offer, right? And, and listen, man, we need to be people of grace. Too many Christians don't have any grace, which is crazy to me. But some, that's all they are. They're just, oh, how, whatever you think, whatever you feel, it's all right. And, and, and listen, if all we do is offer grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, a few things happen. One, no one ever has to face the consequences of their actions, which is one of the greatest things that you can learn from in life. Right? Parents, you hearing me? If all you ever do is cover up your kids' mistakes, and you think that that is grace, it's grace upon grace upon grace, there will be an adult that will fail in life, and they won't even know how to handle it. Because they never had the opportunity to fail in your home where it was safe. Okay? It's not a, now listen, sometimes some of you are so disciplinary, you've got to show some grace. That's it. I mean, you left that one spoon out. It's over. You're grounded for life. I'll see you when you're 18. Right? That's not, okay, you've got to offer some grace. But some of us, man, we, we're, we're so, so not only do they, they never face consequences, if we never call anyone out for wrong behavior, oh, it's safe, it's safe. I never call anyone out. They're never going to know that they need saving. And then there's those people that speaking truth. I'm going to speak to some of you Jesus followers because that's all you do is speak truth. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Such a sinner. But you have no grace. You haven't really sought anybody out. You're just that social media Christian. Everybody needs this and everybody needs that. And man, that's off-putting too. Do you see how if we're not loving like Jesus and he did all these things then we present a really incomplete picture of Christ and somebody could miss out on eternity because of that incomplete picture. Does that make sense, y'all? This is yes. This is no. This is could I please have some more coffee? Right? Okay. Okay. So here's what I want to do. I just want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask you where you are just to bow your head for a moment. We're going to dim the lights and it doesn't mean anything. It's, I, we don't have any music playing. We're not trying to uh, evict some kind of emotional response. But as these lights just kind of go dim, I want to do that so that you understand that this is a safe place where you can get some spiritual work done. Um, I think we're dimming lights. It's coming, right? One of those scenes like we're in worship. We hit that scene. There we go. We got it. Um, so here's what I want to do uh, this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. But this morning you heard how Jesus has loved you. And you heard how you were called to love others. And if you realized in this moment this morning that you were falling extremely short in this area of your life, you were just not loving people well, would you just raise your hand? This is an admission before God. God, I'm not loving people well. God, I've got to do better. Amen. Anybody else? You should raise your Because I'm going to pray for these hands. That's what I'm praying for. It's not that I'm not praying for the rest of you. Everybody else is killing it in love. You guys are doing great. Okay, awesome. So here's what we're going to pray. And I just want you to keep your hand up if that's you, because this is going to be your declaration before God. Would you pray with me? Just say, God, I am so sorry. <sighs> I have been just like that unmerciful servant. 
you've, you, you've given me so much, and yet I fail on a regular basis to love others the way that you've loved me. God, help me. God, today, would you open my mind and my heart to these truths? Would you help me leave here thinking about them? Would you haunt me with them until something breaks and I let go and I start loving like you? Ask that in your holy, powerful, and precious name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen.